Mike, you're just jealous. No, it's complex emotions. Well, yes, but, uh, no. I'm Ryan Matlock. And I'm Michael LaFaver. We're two avid fans of Beyond Gilead. And today we're reviewing 7-5, Closer Than a Sister, by Lori Twitchell. So join us for episode 89 on our return to Gilead. Here's the summary for today's episode. While her sister Tiffany prepares for the rhubarb festival, Maya begins to spend time with Haley, leading to a slew of hurt feelings and misunderstandings for Michael. Uh, what happened this episode, Ryan? So, it was kind of a blend of two things. The A-plot is basically just a bunch of scenes well, of I mean, Haley- not, I mean, it's, a summary's okay. I'm more wondering, what happened? Because, like, I don't know what happened in this episode. I'm a little confused as to uh, the characterization. I'm so confused of... about your question. Oh, I'm but... sorry. Well, let me clarify. I don't <laughs> I'm know. I'm trying what... to tell you what happened. I don't know what Laurie did to my my boy Michael here. This doesn't seem in character. Oh, sure. This doesn't seem normal. This doesn't seem like a coherent plot to me. Maybe I'm missing yeah. something. Well, I think part of it is that overall, I'd say the episode is kind of clunky. Might be the word I'm looking yeah. for, but like I'll kind of break down. So the a plot we've got. Michael basically standing by and just watching as Haley and Maya do girl things with each other, and he's got a problem with that. For some and reason. then the B-plot is just the Richters being uh, caricatures of themselves. That's more to further the idea that Maya needs to spend time with the Morrisons because she's not getting right. support from her family. That's fine. It, I mean, like, it's not my favorite thing to do to listen to the Richters be, like, as snobby as possible because it makes them seem less realistic to me. Yeah. But it's a little funny it, because we you know, get some like, sarcasm if, if, from, from Tom. <laughs> we do great. get some. I, I doubt that is very much warranted and very amusing. <laughs> but even so, it's like there are times when I have respect for Monica, even in her being manipulative. I understand why she's doing what she's doing. And then there's other times that I'm just like, is this. Is this who you are? You've fallen so far to care this much about this when nobody else does. There's times Mm -hmm. where I feel like she is concerned about what people think of her, and it's like, okay, yeah, that's valid. People will be looking. And then there's other times that it's like, no one cares. Literally, no one cares. (laughs) But anyway, as far as Michael, I do agree with you. This is very strange that Michael goes from who we've known him to be like i i understand that there's room for this conflict to happen yeah but even so it comes kind of out of the blue do you want to take over i don't even know yeah, how to I'll approach take over. i have a couple questions a couple observations one of which applies to Lori's writing in this episode and in the episode a couple episodes from now the winds of change we'll talk about that one then but in this one the criticism i think i have of her writing is that she makes a theme and makes a plot Brings the plot to a conclusion. It's an okay conclusion that she has here. It follows proper story structure. I have a couple of questions about the fact that it was a misunderstanding, and we'll get to that in a second. But the theme itself doesn't seem to be any deeper than what it's initially presented to be. We see Michael start to be a little bit annoyed. We see first he says, yeah, maybe family's not all it's cracked up to be. And Mary goes, Michael, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I guess, and doesn't say anything. And then the next scene of him, we see he's dribbling the basketball in the house and John knows there's something up. I like that scene because it's a chance to explore Michael's complex emotions, which I alluded to in the intro and which we've had from Beth Culp. Something I love from a good writer bringing out complex emotions in your character. It's not the obvious thing, but it's something that rocks that character to their core and will cause a conflict akin 
to what that character is going through, not just any conflict. The problem here is that Michael's a little bit upset. John comes in and Michael says, well, my husband's spending so much time with Haley. And John doesn't know about the phone call and that Michael overheard something. And then John says, Michael, you think you might be a little bit jealous? I don't think jealous is the right word there. I think left out is the word there because it's not wrong if a friend of yours starts spending time with somebody else and sort of neglecting you, if that's what Michael thinks is going on, it's not wrong to feel, oh, I don't think that I have this connection with this friend anymore because we had something special and now we don't have that anymore. Saying it sounds jealous and having Michael assent to that seems a little diminishing of what Michael's actually going through. And that's strange to say because this is Lori writing for both John and Michael. But what happens later on in that scene is that John leaves and as he ducks out, he hands Michael a verse to look up and Michael looks up the verse and it says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Where did anger come into this? Why was Michael angry? Was he actually angry? How did John know that? John Again, John didn't hear the conversation on the phone. But when we get to the final scene of this episode, that one mirrors the scene where Michael's dribbling the basketball in a very weird way. It doesn't say anything new. Mary just says the same thing. Or John says, hey, remember what we talked about? Like, hey, you remember that you're jealous? jealous? I think you're still jealous. Yeah, yeah. And Mary goes, well... See, if you had just get, got this conflict figured out, then this wouldn't have been a problem. Wait a moment. Are you saying that the verse that John gave Michael was actually relevant there? And Michael basically says, yeah, it was relevant. I'm, I'm sorry I misunderstood Haley and didn't talk to you. And then Zach says the same thing. Whoa, wasn't that crazy? If Michael had just talked it out, there wouldn't have been this problem. The only thing here is that there's hints of a complex emotion here, but then John and Mary in this episode pick it up like a volleyball and spike it over the net. Michael starts to say, <laughs> hey, look, I heard you talking on the phone. I don't like that you're spending so much time with us, Maya. He's not actually saying that in the previous in the previous scene. Not actually saying about like mentioning a phone conversation. But then he mentions the conversation in the car and Haley says, oh, no, we were talking about Caleb and how he has no idea. He has no idea what to do. And then Michael says, well, yeah, but you guys have been spending so much time together in this. He starts to go down a trail and then John derails him and doesn't go back to that point. I think that was a very valid point to bring that up on Michael's part. The connection between him and Maya isn't fixed. And we end the episode with him saying he's going to apologize to Maya, not actually apologizing. That's okay. I wish we'd got a resolution for Maya in this episode. It feels a little empty by the end. And fortunately, the next episode picks it up or the next series of episodes picks up that plot point in a spectacular way that I think is to that episode's credit. But for this one, because we're left with an unresolved conflict also on Michael's part, you think he's just going to go back to Maya and Haley hanging out and feel good about it. Now we haven't addressed that problem. Probably not. Yeah. Michael's got a, a serious thing. He needs to figure out who am I actually friends with Maya? Do I like her? And I don't think there's any like here. I think it's just he was friends with her, still is friends with her, but is losing his best friend. And we see Vincent in this episode. Vincent is critically underutilized. What if Vincent was used as a Michael is making a new best friend? And like, what if this was an an unlovables kind of scenario where we get to the end of part two of the unlovables and Michael has a chance to witness to Matt where he thought he'd have a chance to witness to Maya. What if we get to the end of this episode He gets home and he realizes, oh, Vincent, you're kind of my new best friend now. You know, I was kind of missing having a best friend because I thought Maya was my best friend, but I guess things are naturally changing. 
that would be a good a good resolution for his complex emotions. But because we don't get that, because it just ends in the car, that's that's a big problem <laughs> in this episode. And it's all it makes it all about jealousy, which it's confusing. Because yeah. here's the thing. This is what I am going to dub. There is a conflict in this episode, for sure. But the I'll dub it a, sp- a certain type of conflict, and that's it's the misunderstanding conflict. And it's uh, my least favorite type of conflict yep. in media, mm-hmm. because it's always something that could be easily solved by literally any character, not just one character, any character in a scene could communicate, like, at all, and it would resolve it. So we break down the scene where Maya gets yelled at by Mike, And Mike's like, I think you should just go home. At any point, Mike could say, you know, because you're talking about having my bike on the phone. And everyone would be like, whoa, hold on. That didn't happen. Maya could be like, talking behind your back? What do you mean? And Mike could say, this, the thing on the phone. And they could talk about it. Haley could even jump in and be like, what are you talking about? But here we have... Like, I think one person says something like that, and then Mike's like, I think you should just go home. So basically, we have one character who is shutting down communication, presumably because they're angry, but really it's to service the plot so that we can draw this out and deal with it later. Yeah. And it's my least favorite kind of conflict, because... It's rare that it happens in real life, and when it does, it's frustrating. And the because the moral, communicate, please. Well, yeah, the moral becomes communicate rather than deal with whatever the personal issues that are driving this conflict. The moral becomes, you know, maybe just talk things out, and that's a fine moral. It's okay, but it's like hmm. so baseline. Of course, talk things out. If you want to do anything in life with any person in an interpersonal way, that involves talking it out somehow. But you also could have had the moral of talk things out. Tell Maya, I miss you. You were my first best friend after being my enemy for a while. We've had so many great times together. I don't know why you're all of a sudden disappearing. And Maya can say, well, you've been spending more time with Vincent. I thought maybe it'd be time to move on. Or maybe we're still friends, but... I feel like I'm getting new interests now that I'm friends with Haley. That's another talk things out plot that doesn't involve the misunderstanding and doesn't downplay what Michael's going through because the conflict is still very much there. The remnants of it are there. Michael's dealing with this. The audience is feeling, I'm feeling this. I'm kind of sad that Michael and Maya aren't spending as much time together. And then Michael brings it up in the car and is shut down for the sake of the episode's worldview being, you're dealing with jealousy. Right. And it's not necessarily jealous. Like jealousy is when you want something that something that someone else has. He just it's wants the, what it's he a had. Form of envy. Yeah, he wants what he had. So to a certain extent, are we? Are we? Should we make the episode about stealing? That Haley is stealing something from Michael? No, not necessarily, because interpersonal. Like no human belongs to anybody else. So it hardly makes sense for it to be jealousy or stealing. It's just he misses something that he had. Mm-hmm. And so that we don't need to turn that into, oh, you have a moral issue of missing a person that you once got to spend a lot of time with because now they're spending time with someone else. Yeah. Y- you've got a real problem for wanting connection with another human. Yeah. And this, then this is the eventually with, it doesn't even I, turn into that. It turns into a problem of communication. Like they, they even say it in the episode, essentially, like, hey, maybe you should have talked these things out. I think kind of unfortunately, this is the first time that I have disagreed with a moral on Gilead. 
And I'm kind of sad ah, to say that that's I'm kind of sad to say that's it. But with all of Beth Culp's, I thought they were super strong. We had a ton of debate on Rumor Has It and a ton of debate on Key to Happiness, even though that wasn't the actual moral being portrayed in Key to Happiness. And in all of those, I still agreed with Beth and with Sarah Sinsky, Leah Gartner in those episodes. I don't remember a time when I disagreed with the moral. Maybe there was one. But here, there's one here. I know there's an episode in season 11 that I very, very strongly disagree with the moral in that one. And then one in season 12 that I'm kind of eh on. So sure. I knew these would come up. I didn't realize how strong it'd be here. And I don't want this review to be a downer, but well, it is I kind can of- I rein it in a little. No, you're so good. You're fine. The, I'm just the, the, I'm just the, saying the, to the audience, like, I love Gilead. I still love Gilead. Sure. And this is the reason I love Gilead is because of the deep, strong, good morals- and I think this one severely fell short. To this episode's credit, none of the morals are necessarily bad morals. Like, communicate. That's a good thing to learn. Don't be jealous. Good thing to learn. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Good thing to learn. In this context, the context is what makes it a problem. Because this is like maybe the first time in an episode that we have a moral being taught that's like, hey, don't be jealous. Okay, that's a good moral. But it's being told to someone that doesn't need to learn it. And that's maybe the problem is it's not that the moral is bad. Like technically you could take any verse from the Bible that is true. Like thou shalt not steal, for example. And if you're applying it to someone who's not stealing, that becomes a weird moral. It's like, well, they didn't. I mean, you're you're right. We shouldn't steal. But why are you telling that to this poor nun who's just giving stuff to the poor? <laughs> It's sort of how it feels in this episode. Like, Michael's just here, and I loved the way you put it, like, when you uh, sort of ad-libbed a conversation between Michael and Haley, or Michael and uh, Maya, where, like, they kind of bring in their past context as we, like, as we sort of look at it in context of their relationship up till now, when you kind of brought out, like, hey, so I'm, I'm really, like, you were the first person that kind of came to Christ and I've known you ever since then and like all that when you said that that was like wow that would have been a lot more entertaining to listen to than what we got yeah just because it would be like a lot of complex emotions there's lots of depth there and that's where I think maybe this episode uh left Michael hanging the most is that there's very little depth provided to why he's feeling this way it sort of comes down to he doesn't like Maya being so girly. And that's and I, about that, the extent of what he says. That is like 15% of your theme. You say he doesn't like Maya being girly because he's not girly. And because to still be Maya's friend and to be close with her, he would have to pursue her interests. But if he's not pursuing her interests and not being her close friend, he has to find a new friend. But that means letting go of the past. And he's had so many connections with Maya and such a long history with her. He really likes her as a friend. They get along well together. He might even like her. So not having her as a friend is going to be losing a part of him that he feels is integral to him and integral to his character because he's seen Maya grow so much and he's grown so much through Maya. And this series is really about both of them. That's where you go with that. (laughs) We didn't get any of that in this episode. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot there. It's <laughs> a long way to go. It, it, lots, lots of uh, potential. And it, it is very sad to sort of... As, as well, because when the characters talk to Michael about it, like specifically his dad in that first scene between the two of them, Michael's just like not even thinking about it. 
And like we've we've had times in the past where Michael's asked a direct question by his dad and he's kind of like, eh, I don't know. But his dad always pushes him on it. He's like, no, 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 you do know. So let's talk this through. Let's think this through. And eventually Michael's like, well, I suppose it's because insert smart answer here. And his dad's like, good, good. Because We're thinking I saw in the right the sock direction. in the hallway. That's why I wrote that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Here we get basically nothing. Like, Michael just kind of like, eh, nothing. He basically gives non-answers to every question that John asks. And kind of, like, even when John's like, hey, why don't you come on down? He's like, eh, I don't feel like it. Maybe later. Yeah, whatever. And that's not entertaining to listen to. Is your character, like, one character saying, hey, let's deal with issues. And the other character saying, nope, nope. I'm actually okay if Michael goes, yeah, I don't really want to talk. As long as there's a double the impact talk at the end of the episode where he goes, yeah, I was just so depressed because I thought I was losing my best friend. If that's the the theme, what he's actually going through, then that's great. I would have loved to see that. But instead, we just get him blowing up at Maya and I just feel bad for Maya. So, yeah. Speaking of which, here's what that scene sounded like. Maybe I'll just come stay at your house for a while. Hey, with Brooke gone, you could stay in her room. Hmm. I'll bet she wouldn't mind, and that would be kind of cool. What do you think? You want to come and stay for a few days? You're kidding, right? The two of you have been practically living together for a week now. Michael! No, Haley, I'm tired of it. Maya, you've got your own sister and your own house, and I think you should just go home. Mike. I think we could go on and on about little things in this episode and overall things in this episode, but we would sort of be redundant i guess or whatever the common phrase is in this one everything yeah so what did you all think are we being too harsh or are we being spot on send us in your feedback and we'll let you know how you can do that in a minute but maybe we should call this here what do you think ryan yeah sounds good all right Hey, hope you're enjoying the review so far. Before we end this episode, we have some good and bad news in the fan community for DGL. One of the pieces of bad news is that the slow walk down Gilead Lane has recently been taken out of circulation by Daniel Gray and Dave Brown. Daniel messaged me early this morning and explained that he and Dave had been thinking about this for a long time and that he thought that since he's going into pastoral ministry, it'd be best to take off the slow walk since there was a lot of stuff on there that he wasn't too proud of. I understand his decision, and there's still a section on the Return to Gilead website talking about the slow walk down Gilead Lane and what it was and why it's no longer available on the site. So that's a bit of the the bad news of today. The good news is we have a new review on Apple Podcasts for Return to Gilead. Woohoo! This one comes from InCut4, which they gave us five stars, so thank you. And they said, an enjoyable listen. I grew up an avid Adventures in Odyssey fan and had heard bits and pieces of Down Gilead Lane on the radio growing up, but never listened to the entire series. I always liked what I heard from DGL and recently bought the entire series and have begun listening through it for the first time. I'm really enjoying the episodes, as well as listening to Return to Gilead as I finish each episode of DGL. Michael and Ryan's discussions are always interesting, entertaining, and have great humor throughout. Return to Gilead has been a great companion as I listened through the series for the first time. Oh, That's man. That's awesome. We're That's really fantastic. Glad. Yeah, I think you're one of the first actual first-time listeners who I've heard who's listening along and actually giving us a review. So thank you so much, man. That's amazing. 
Well, if you want to send in a voice message as we get closer to, I guess, where we... I don't even know if you're hearing this feedback because you're probably at the beginning of the series, but we, we still appreciate the review, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. And by the way, remember that one time that I was recording feedback on the beach, Ryan? Yes. Well, now I'm between classes at Liberty University, so I'm just recording a quick thing right here. So if you hear people in the background, that's what's going on there. Uh, I need to get to class. And, so. and now I'm going to throw my phone to surf among the people. <laughs> Let's go to the raps. Oh boy, I didn't expect that review to go exactly that way, but I am now preparing for us to review the next two episodes in one, and I don't want to have the same kind of negativity going into those episodes, so why not as a palate cleanser, Ryan, tell us about this wonderful website that people can go to. Oh, well, it's called Google. Not it's a again, really wonderful again, resource. No, it's something no, that lets you no. search for any term that you want to find, including our podcast. Better. If you search Return to Gilead, it'll take you to our website, in fact. That's why Google is the better website. It's two in one, basically. I don't know how to, how to follow up from that, Ryan. Yeah, Google's... Uh, where, where are you going with this, sir? Well, Return to Gilead... <laughs> It doesn't have the function to search all the sites in existence, but it does have the function of showing you our podcast. Yeah. All the episodes are there. What else? What else is there? There's sheet music. There are highlighted reviews of people who have left reviews on the podcast, which you can also do by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or by sending in your own feedback. We'd also love to hear what your thoughts are on Google. Like that That is <laughs> at least something that's know. crucially important to me. Well, so, Well, in the meantime, we're gearing up for a review of the next two episodes of Beyond Gilead, 90 and 91, Unfinished Business, parts one and two. So make sure you don't miss those two. Until then, I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you all in the next episode as we once again return to Gilead.